Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Amen. 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 So with that, on a beautifully lit stage, we're going to welcome Pastor Johnny Harrington, who's going to bring and sling some word for us today. Come on up, Johnny. All right. Thanks, Kevin. My hype guy over there getting everybody all fired up. That's perfect. (laughs) Needed that. Good morning. I'm glad you guys are all here. I don't know if you've been here for a while. If you haven't, I'm glad you're here. But the Holy Spirit has been doing some amazing things in the church. I can't believe just the presence here. And so we're going to keep continuing that today. I'm excited to see what he does. He doesn't waste opportunities. God doesn't. So the fact that you're here is all by design. I promise today's going to be good if you open your heart to hear. So since God gave me this message, the same theme has been showing up probably for the last month. I I wrote some things down about a month ago, and it keeps showing up. So a lot of what you're going to hear today is going to sound familiar, but if you're like me, it takes three or four times to get through here. So it's good. (laughs) It's good. All right. So before I start, though, I do want to thank all the volunteers. Um, You guys are near and dear to my heart. There's a lot that happens at the church here behind the scenes, uh, the, the cafe, the prayer teams, the, um, all of the volunteers. We serve in the kids' ministry, and uh, the people that just show up week after week after week, sewing into the kids, Kevin and Val over there just you know, pushing Satan back every single week. It takes an army, and there is an army here. So I want to thank everybody that volunteers, so give it up for them. While I'm here, though, I do get to put a little plug in for the res kids. So we are short a couple people. Um, if you haven't been back there, I encourage you just to stop in. You don't have to commit to anything, but I can tell you, getting to engage the kids and being at that same level and kind of being able to be a goofball with them and sharing the word of Jesus with them is actually really fun. So if you've never been back there, never experienced it, just, just stop in, check it out, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So... Just last week, Kevin and I were able to pray with a, a couple of younger kids, um, explain what giving your heart to Jesus really is. And I'm telling you, they locked eyes. They, they wanted it. They knew what they were doing. And we were able to lead them through prayer through it. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. You could feel heaven rejoicing with us. So really cool stuff there. All right. So I want you guys to picture something for me. I do this a lot. We use our imaginations with the kids, so we're going to do that here too. There is no junior Holy Spirit. We all have the same Holy Spirit here. So just imagine, you know, you all came here with stuff. I came here with stuff going on. A lot of things happened in your life and and could be happening right now. I just want you to picture those things that you're holding in your hands, all the worries, the fears, the health issues, whatever might be troubling you right now. Just picture yourself setting them at the cross, just, just for this time that we're here with Jesus. You don't have to worry about that right now. Just picture, this, picture yourself setting those right at the foot of the cross. And then see Jesus standing next to you with a loving look saying, I got this. Okay? Whatever it is, Jesus has got this right now. And while you're doing that, I'm going to speak a verse over you, over the whole church. I don't get to do this very often, so I'm excited to get to talk to all of you all at once. So this is Numbers 6, 24 through 26. I would sing it if I was Pastor Dan, but I'm not. So the only one that appreciates my singing is God. So I'm going to speak it today. We'll see what he does down the road. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And I want you all to receive that today. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask you to show up today. I ask the Holy Spirit to just show up in force. Lord, you know what people are going through. You know the words that they need to hear. Lord, I just ask that you speak those words through me so that everybody gets what they need today. I believe hearts are going to be set free, Lord, and I believe that your will will be done today, and nothing can stop that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so the title of my message is not up there, but it's Waiting with God. And it doesn't say waiting on God or waiting for God, and there's a reason for that. So we talked about last week, give faith a job. We talked about changing your story, all of this stuff that's been leading up to this. So you get something on your heart, whether it's for you or for somebody else, you pray about it, you get confirmation that God's like, yes, that will be done. Then what? Sometimes things happen immediately, right? Sometimes people can get set free right in the moment. But sometimes it's a process. Sometimes that prayer starts a process and it takes some time for God to work it out in his perfect time. He knows what you need and when you need it and what the best circumstance will be. And sometimes our view of that isn't quite the same as God's. Sometimes we can mess it up. So if you're not prepared to wait, this can be frustrating. If you pray for something and you expect immediate results, Sometimes that's going to be very frustrating to you. It has been for me, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. (laughs) Some of the biggest breakthroughs happen while we're waiting on God's promises to be fulfilled. He teaches us while we're waiting, while we're being refined, while we're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. And he shows us stuff that may need to come off, and we're going to talk about that as well. So in this space, unfortunately, I'm going to have to admit I've made some mistakes. Does everybody know the story of Abraham and Ishmael? If not, it's okay, I'll explain it a little bit. So God gives Abraham a promise. He says, you're gonna have a son in a year. Abraham's, what, 90, his wife's 90, they're they're getting up there. And God says, you're gonna have a son. So Abraham, and just like like I've done, like, okay, cool, but I don't see the circumstances how that's possible. So let's make our own plan. Let's figure this out on our own, and let's get in here, and we'll, we'll, we'll make God's promise be fulfilled. And we all know how that ended. They had uh, Ishmael, and that whole situation went very far south. Now, God still fulfilled his promise, but there was a circumstance that they created on their own that caused things to kind of go south. So that's, that's what we're talking today, is being patient and waiting for God to fulfill his promises. So I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony, just some examples. This isn't, uh, this isn't all inclusive, um, but I did want to share some things that relate to this and some areas where I've messed up and where things actually did work out. But when doing this, I want you to hear what God was actually doing in the background and that I didn't have to go through the struggles that I was going through if I would have just waited and trusted God. So I, I grew up with no idea that I could have the Holy Spirit within me. Uh, I saw God as kind of this distant uh, thing out there that, you know, he's, if I do something wrong, it's probably going to be bad. He's going to be mad at me. And if, I, if my life is going south, it's my own doing. That, that's how I believed. I just, you know, if, if things were going wrong, 
and I'm just not, not adding up, whatever. So one of the, because of that, there were some roots, some bad roots, if you think of a tree. Some bad roots were uh, starting to grow out of this. And those bad roots didn't produce good fruit. They produced bad fruit. So I'll start with basketball my senior year. Kevin will appreciate this. <laughs> so we were, we were pretty good. We were a small school, so we weren't as good as, as those guys down there in Detroit, but, but we were good. And uh, we had the same core five kids had played together all the way from like second grade all the way through. We lost one game in seventh grade, and that was it up until we started playing varsity ball. And then we, it was, we just lost a, lost a couple games in there. So there was some pride that was building up in there, right? Start feeling like, hey, we're good. I got this, you know? Um, so we go into summer camps for the, our senior year, and a new kid moves into town, really good uh, point guard. The coach's son was also a point guard. So I'm thinking, ah, this doesn't pertain to me. I'm just going to keep working hard. And uh, <laughs> we go to one game, and I can remember it clear as day. I see the coach going around whisp telling something in each of the other starters' ear. He didn't come around to me. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, so after we're done warming up, the tradition was everybody would sit down, and uh, all the starters would sit down, and the other players would stand around them. Well, I go sit down like we always do, and I look over, and there's six of us. There's only five that can play, so what's going on here? So coach goes through the, the strategy, and, uh, and he tells the two uh, kids sitting right next to me, okay, you guys are in, let's go, you know, let's, let's get after it. So I just look at him, I'm like, am I in or out, coach? He's like, you're out for now. And that was it. I never started again after that. So because that pride had built up in there, like, okay, maybe I'm just not working hard enough. Maybe I'm not doing a good job here. So I worked my tail off for a little while, trying to, trying to earn that spot back. And I never did. So we went into the season, though, and I was coming off of the bench, and I was still scoring a lot of points. And uh, it was, I thought, you know, it's just a minute. They're going to see me. I'm going to get this spot back. So we go to play our rival town. And this gym is packed. The whole community was behind us. We were projected to win this title. All these prideful things, right? So this whole community is sitting there. I come in just like I do, had a wide open shot, and I missed. And so it, normally it's like no big deal. You get back and play defense. Well, a coach calls a timeout, rips me in front of the whole group there, and benches me for the rest of the game. And there was no... no Nothing before the game that said that I shouldn't do that. That play was designed for me to take that shot. So we go through that. The next game, benched the whole time. I didn't play the whole next game. And so that caused some roots. There were some things in there like, man, I worked so hard. I did everything I could do. I was scoring points. And it didn't work. It didn't pay off. So I started feeling that a little bit of inadequacy there. I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn after that. I'd come in, I'd take a shot, and I was so nervous and so jittery that I couldn't make baskets anymore. So that's the first time Satan tried to start attaching some stuff to me. So then I go to work in 2008. I'd had some summer jobs and, and worked at this mine for a while, and uh, I start off as a maintenance planner at a mine in Colorado. Anybody remember what happened in 2008? So if... You're in a commodities type of business, you can remember the market just goes, it was bad. So I was sitting in meetings, and I remember the HR group coming in, 
and picking a couple people out, saying, hey, I need to talk to you guys. They'd come out, and these are my friends, and they're packing up their boxes. They're getting laid off. So there's these major layoffs happening. We went from 300 people down to 12. And it was only by the grace of God that I was able to stay because I knew how to operate the water treatment system there. So they put me on nights, and I was able to keep my job. Nothing I had done. But I had let that pride kind of build up of, hey, I did this. I was able to stay. I didn't get benched this time. So these things are starting to go through my head. But with that came a lot of anxiety, a lot of coping mechanisms that weren't good, like stopping at the bar after work, you know, those sort of things started happening, and it wasn't good. So then I met Katie, thank goodness, <laughs> and uh, we moved to Arizona to another mine there. And this was literally like the journey through the desert, a literal desert. We had to toughen up, and God knew that. So I'm working there, but we had Benjamin, uh, my son, while we were there as well. So let me tell you, this new level of fear and the responsibility that I was trying to carry went through the roof. I mean, I'm talking full-blown panic attacks, heart beating through my chest, just because I was so afraid that I was going to get laid off, benched, whatever you want to call it, because of these, these roots that had started taking hold. And I wasn't as mature in my walk with Christ. I wasn't hardly at all. Actually, Katie got me mixed into a church there that was much like this. And I started learning about the Holy Spirit. But I had a long ways to go. And God knew that. And he was gentle. He was very gentle of not pulling everything off all at once. And so these fears keep coming up. These fears uh, just overwhelming to the point where, you know, I'm having health issues. I was carrying that whole burden. I was trying to spin up businesses on the side. I was trying to do all these things because I thought that I had to make sure that we were going to be okay. You know, we're away from all our support networks. We're on our own. So I'm going to make sure we're good. But I was spinning my wheels. God was probably just watching me spinning around in circles like, whenever you're done, just relax. But I wasn't hearing that. <laughs> Katie was. So there was a promotion opportunity. And uh, it was in North Las Vegas. And I don't know if any of you have ever been to North Las Vegas, but it's not the best place to raise a family. I'll just say that. Um, a lot of rough stuff going on there. I pray for them a lot. But So in my mind, because of this mindset and these roots that have taken hold, I'm like, this is it. This is a great opportunity. You know, my career, I'm going to get some more skills in my career. We're going to get some security. I'm going to be good. So I, I'm all happy-go-lucky, go to the interview. Or it wasn't even an interview. It was a site visit to meet the crews. Katie doesn't tell me good luck. Um, she's messing with Ben. I'm like, okay, that's weird, whatever. So I go over there and I talk to him, and everything's all set. It's, it's a done deal. And uh, so I told Katie, and I was, I was happy about it, and we started looking at houses. And if you know Katie, this is going to sound crazy, but she starts crying. She's the most even kill person you'll ever meet. But I just see tears starting to roll down her cheeks. So I pull over. I'm like, what the heck is wrong? This isn't normal. And she's, she was hearing from God. I was not. And she just said, Johnny, this isn't right. We're not supposed to be here. I know that God's telling us that this isn't right. But I had these fears and this, this stuff built up. And so I was a little upset. I was like, okay, I guess. And we talked about it, decided that it may not be the right thing to do. That was tough. That was very tough. Katie was hearing from God. I wanted to do it on my own. But I did say no. I, I went back to the plant manager the next day, told him, hey, you know, this isn't going to work for my family. I'm sorry. I know you pulled some strings here. And he looks at me and he says, well, you know, this usually only happens once in a career when you turn down an opportunity like this. So sorry you're making this decision. So what do you think that does to those roots, those fears? 
all of a sudden I feel like I'm locked into this career for the rest of my life and it's over. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this is the rest of my life. I'm done. Game over. Katie knew better because she was hearing from God. But it wasn't four months later that God had paved a way to be out here with a job that I should never have got that just threw my hat in the ring and they just happened to be looking for software skills rather than experience in uh, what I was working in. So the whole time I was working and toiling and stressing out and after we made that decision, Katie will say I was moping around, I would argue that, but I was. (laughs) So moping around, God already had everything all worked out. I just didn't wait, I didn't trust him. So then we get out here, I get to work with Jim Wade, which if you know Jim, that was a fun deal, except for when he's pranking me all the time in my office, but it was fun. And, and when we got there, I finally realized, like, man, God was behind this the whole time. It wasn't me that set all this up, it was God. But I still had some of this going on. I was breaking free from it, God was working, Pastor Dan preached some amazing messages um, when I was in Arizona, I had a wonderful mentor that I carpooled with named Dennis Bailey. He was, knew the Bible back and forth. And so if I came up with something that wasn't quite right, he would challenge me. Like, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> so he taught me all these things. So I started learning the Bible. I started knowing who God was. We get out here. This stuff is breaking free, but it's still there. And so I'm getting involved in a lot of different things, a lot of stuff, just busy. But to me, that felt like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to be worthy, I'm going to be seen as valuable out here by the stuff that I'm doing. And if you were here for the wild game dinner, guys, and uh, for the girls, it was called functional brokenness, I believe he called it. So you're doing a lot of things. You look like you're, you're out there, you're in control, but underneath, I felt completely out of control, and I was not effective in most of the stuff I was doing. Do you think I was happy during this time? Some of you know better, because we talked. <laughs> so finally, God got through to me. He confirmed through several people, including dreams, uh, some other things, that I needed to back off, that I needed to just take a minute, because I wasn't trusting him. And this, this came through. Um, one good friend, I, I won't say who, had, got a very direct word from God, and I'm pretty sure, for those of you that have kids, When you count to three, you know that? Like, hey, you better stop that. One, two. I'm pretty sure God got to two with me. He's like, I'm telling you, knock it off. And he started counting. But luckily, somebody spoke into my life enough to say, God wants you to stop chasing all these idols. He wants you to come back to his first love. And that finally hit me like, wow, what am I doing? So I took a minute. I took a few days. I had some vacation to burn. I took a few days off of work, and I did nothing except for pray and write down what I, was, what I was feeling, hearing. And I tell you what, that was one of the most powerful times I've ever had in my life. Because I realized that underneath all of this doing and busyness and stuff going on, that I was hiding from a fear, fear of failure that I had never dealt with. God wanted to pull that off of me, but he, had to let, he wanted me to cooperate with him. He couldn't just remove it without my co- cooperation. And it took till then for me to realize that I can't do this on my own. So I'm writing this stuff down, and, uh, and, and he just broke, broke that free, made me realize, and now I can work through that. So once it's out in the open, once God sees it, and you become in agreement with God for this thing, then he can start doing his work. But until then, he can't do anything. If you're trying to build on your own will and your own potential, God's going to let you do it, but he's going to say, all right, when you're done, let me try. <laughs> 
There were times when, when we, his promises were fulfilled, though. I'm going to highlight one example real quick, and then we're going get to into, get into some things here. Is, uh, in 2015, Katie and I were praying about ministry and some other things, and uh, we heard God say, well, what do you want? What do you need? Like, well, you know, we've always thought building, we were talking, we thought building a house would be kind of cool. And so we pray about that, and we, we both got confirmation. Yeah, that, that, that'll work. You guys are going to build a house. So because of all the things before the roots, I start going into full planning mode. Like, all right, we're going to do this. I'm going to build a, a timeline here. I'm going to be the general. We're going to get this done. That door never opened during that time. It stayed closed over and over and over. There were times when we almost started losing hope. Like, man, did we hear right? I swear that everything worked out and God said this. But it took some time. God was working out stuff in us, working out circumstances. So 2020 rolls around, five years later, and sure enough, uh, we get confirmation from God that, yeah, that now's the time. Really? There's a pandemic, materials, nobody's in offices. Like, how are we going to do this? But we had faith because God had showed us over and over that he was going to keep his promises. So we, Pastor Dan was standing right here the week after we heard that and did a message called Enter Your Promised Land. We had no idea he was going to say that. <laughs> and he literally said, God's got the keys to your promised land. You just have to take a step and come get them. So we're like, if that is, can't be any more clear, I guess that's it. So we did it, and uh, we heard at that time, you'll be in your house within a year. And that was April of 2020. April 2021, we're moving into a house that we built. And so God will fulfill his promises, but that took a long time. It took stuff working out in our hearts. If we would have pulled the trigger in 2015, I would have tried to own it. I would have tried to do everything myself, and we probably would have had some little shack out there that was going to fall down in a couple years. So the fact that we did it in the season that we did there's no way that we could have planned that and worked it out more perfect than what God did. So that showed me, okay, I don't have to control this. I just have to trust God. So how does all this pertain to waiting for God, waiting on God, or waiting with God, let's say that? <laughs> if we look through the path God had set out for me, he knew the worldly things that I was carrying, and he's been so gentle to help me get free of them and has taken his time. Like it says in Isaiah 40:31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. If you trust in the Lord. What happens at the opposite if you're not trusting in the Lord? Do you think I was weary and faint in all of this? Katie will tell you, yeah, I might argue, but I was. <laughs> it says in James 5, 7, and 8 as well. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for this wait for the Lord's return. Consider farmers who patiently wait for the rains to fall in the fall and spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. So the farmer doesn't go out there and start digging up the seed to see how, measure how fast the roots are growing or to make sure that it's actually working. He trusts that that process is happening. He doesn't go out there and replant his whole field after he doesn't see anything happen in a day. He knows and he trusts that the process is going to happen. Just like a lot of circumstances in our lives, these good seeds take time underground to build a root, to build a foundation before we ever see anything above ground. But we have to trust that that's happening. And there's nothing that we can do about it to speed it up or change it. It's going to happen. 
So take a second to reflect on your life. Is there stuff that's frustrating you or that seems hopeless? Or maybe that God's not fulfilling a promise that you know you heard? Take these things into prayer and write them down. Take some time. I'm telling you, this is hard for me to say because I was the guy that wouldn't take time. (laughs) Write it down. Psalms says this all over the place, but two of the ones that that I like are uh, Psalm 62.1 says, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. And then just a little bit later in the same one, it says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Right now, in the age we live in, how hard is this to do? Okay, we have our phones, we're getting messages. If we want something on Amazon, we click it and it's there like in the next day. So we're in this instant culture where we're not good at waiting. I'm not good at waiting and I can probably speak for most of us. It's hard to be patient. But that's not how God works. God knows the right times and the right things and the right heart condition that have to be in place before he can fulfill his promise. God wants time with you. He doesn't want you as a business partner, which is kind of where I was for a bit. Show up, all right, God, this is going on. These people need this. Uh, this, this is going on over here. I need some help here. Okay, break. You know, that's, that's, he doesn't want you to come and just tell him all your needs and then walk away. He wants to spend time with you. When you're in time in prayer with him, with the Holy Spirit, sometimes you may not even feel anything or hear anything other than, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Rest up. Rest up. Because I'm going to send you back, back out there when you're ready. This is the fun part. I love exposing the enemy's plots here because I saw it firsthand, the roots, the things that he had instilled in me, and I'm so happy our youth are learning early. But a lot of us build a lot of roots, a lot of branches that don't produce good fruit because Satan's trying to derail us. He hates when we can sit with God and silence our mind and wait on his promises and be confident in those. He hates that. In that time of waiting, he wants to be able to derail your life. He wants to be able to derail God's promises because then you lose faith. When we give faith a job, we expect results, just like Pastor Dan said last time. But sometimes Satan will say, did he really say? It's not true. So I'm going to expose the big guns that he brought out to try to tempt Jesus. So he knew, he knew that who Jesus was. He knew that he was gonna, Jesus was going to destroy him. So obviously he's going to come with everything he's got, right? So let's look at that. Let's look at what he brought against Jesus because this pertains perfectly to how we wait for God. So Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, it says. He didn't have provision. Without trust, he would have been in a dire situation. He didn't know where he was going to get any water or food. He was just there. But he was fully trusting God and he's showing us how to do this. So Satan shows up, just like the the sly dog that he is in our most vulnerable times and says, if you really are the son of God, so he challenges his identity. How many of us, when our identity's challenged, get a little offensive? So he said, if you really are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. How many of us would be like, yeah, I'm the son of God. Are you kidding me? Bam, bread. Oh, whoops, I probably shouldn't have done that. Well, I already made bread, so I might as well eat it. I am really hungry. And then you fall out of God's, prom- or God's path, and we start creating these sidebars. That happens. What does Jesus do, though? 
<laughs> he doesn't get offended. He just says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Shut Satan down right there. I get fired up when I see Jesus just fighting back like this. So he stood firm. Next round is in Matthew 4, 6. So he comes up again, trying the identity thing again. So the fact that he did it twice, take note of that. Satan loves to attack your identity. Guys, we need to know who we are in Christ. Okay, don't let Satan start whittling away of, are you really, are you really a son of, a child of God? So Matthew 4, 6. If you really are the son of God, jump off this cliff. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. So using scripture out of context, he's trying to do that. How many of us try to prove that our God is real, that we, we take that on again, trying to prove our identity? But no, Jesus stands firm again. He just says, he corrects him. No, no offense. No, like, yes, I am the son. Yes, I'm all this. Just like, no. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So at this time, I'm thinking Satan's sweating a little bit because he's, he's realizing he's losing. And he's brought the identity piece that can normally derail all of us. And it didn't work. Part of this and where we stumble is addiction to approval. So having God approve him, having Satan think like that he really is the son of God. And getting addicted to that approval of those around you is a symptom of fear of man. And that's so dangerous. That's what tripped the Pharisees up so much. If you look at everywhere the Pharisees slipped up, it was, well, what will the people think? They said that over and over and over. They were afraid of people. So Jesus, Jesus says, don't, you must not test the Lord your God. Leaves it alone right there. So the last round, Matthew 4, 9. He's, he takes him up to a high mountain. Says, look, look out there. I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. So he lies, obviously. It's not his. He's here, but it's not his. What do you think is out there that Jesus is looking at? Sometimes we read this and maybe we just picture there's just a bunch of land. I can bet you there's beautiful houses. There's all these people that will do whatever he would want at a whim's notice. Hey, bring me a cheeseburger, you know, and it would happen. So he could have had all of this worldly things out there that, that he could have at his fingertips. I'm talking all the stuff that trip us up, okay? He was, he was feeling the same temptations that we feel. I bet there was beautiful women out there. I mean, the whole nine yards. So Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and only serve him. So Satan's last and final straw was all the temptations of the world. All the things that bring that immediate pleasure were right there. And Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. Say after me right today. We're, we're going to tell him right now. Get out of here, Satan. Perfect. So by looking at what he uses to tempt us, we're shown some of the ways that he frustrates us. How about when we feel like we can't provide? Are we trying to turn rocks into bread? Are we trying to do that on our own? When you're paycheck to paycheck, not trusting God and just going around trying to, to do it on your own. When your identity's questioned or your skills questioned, 
If I told Kevin he's not a very good basketball player, how would that go over? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, Kevin. When we taste some success, we do compromise our faith sometimes and our values. So we start winning at stuff. Our business starts making some major sales. It's easy to fall into that success-driven thing. What is that? That's that root I'm talking about that starts growing that doesn't produce good fruit. So in my story, I had to die to myself after all this was happening. I had to, I had to let things die and be pruned for me. That root had to be cut off. The branches had to be cut off that weren't producing fruit. God showed them to me. It was an amazing time, but I do have to say it was painful. When things start dying off of you that you've built up out of your own worldly desires, it's going to hurt. It's not fun. And I, I try to always be very hopeful, but this time I just have to say it exactly how it is. It's not fun. But when you get to the other side of that, when that's no longer in your life and that root is gone and dead and in the fire, and you start seeing the fruit that's able to come out from that, it's amazing. And so it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. So sometimes we make goals of where we want to be. And I want to loop this back to what Pastor Dan was saying about change your story. Okay, so we can see and we can make goals of where we want to go. We can see who we want to be. In my story, I wanted to be peaceful, happy, not fearful, but I couldn't get there. So we make our goals, we put our faith to work, and we want to change our story, and we can see where we want to go. But how many of us are just carrying all of this weight and all of this stuff behind us where we can't get there? We can't get to our promise until God works this stuff out in us. Until he starts taking things off of your shoulders, it's going to take a lot longer, and it's going to be a lot harder to get to where you want to be. And I can say that from experience. So what are those areas? People's expectations. If you haven't given your heart to God and you're depending on people around you or coworkers or, or whatever, Jesus is the only one that can carry that burden. Okay? Or are you chasing or in bondage with the pleasures of this world? I've got to say, there's... There's a lot of stuff out there, guys, that can trip us up. I mean, it's all now right here by our phone. I mean, there's a million things that can trip us up right here. Are those tripping you up? It can happen. And then that's just going to make it where it's like the Israelites. They had to wait 40 years for their promise to be fulfilled because they kept going back to the things that were tripping them up. I don't want to wait 40 years for God's promise. I want to get that stuff out now. I want God to deal with it now so that I can live in his promise and, and in perfect communion with him without all of this baggage. So take all this into consideration. Think of the areas in your life that need to be pruned. What branches aren't producing good fruit? This is what we want to experience, is love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness. Those are the good fruits, all right? Let's pray. Lord, search our hearts. Just ask that you show us the areas and the baggage that we're carrying, Lord, the roots that are need to be chopped and thrown in the fire, the branches that aren't producing fruit, Lord. Cut those out of our life. Show us what they are so that you can gently work with us to remove those. Lord, we just ask that you, you speak to each person here. We all have things 
All of our minds have been altered in the world through experiences. Lord, we all have our experiences. We all have been hurt by this world that has changed our view of looking at things. Show us the areas and the roots that have been created that you just rip those out and throw them in the fire, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Show us how to resist the devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, quick note on prayer partners before we leave here. Uh, They're going to be up here. And I just want to say a couple things about them real quick. Their hearts to join in agreement with whatever you need prayer for. Some people, I feel, are reluctant to come get prayer. I've been one of them. I'm not going to lie. Because maybe you feel like you're bothering them or you're embarrassed. Like, if you come up here, everybody's going to see you coming up and getting prayer. That's not it. Everybody here wants to be free of stuff. The heart of the prayer partners is to pray with you and show love to you. And giving them the opportunity to join with you in prayer is an honor for them, and God will reward your obedience as well. So if there's things that are stirring, if you feel like there's some roots that you want to pray through, give them an opportunity because they love it. So with that, I'll invite the prayer partners up here, and everybody have a very blessed Sunday and a week. Thank you. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.